I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, uh, Merry Christmas is over and Happy New Year now is is still uh, it's still appropriate to say Happy New Year. We're recording this. Uh, you may be listening to it a, co- a day later, or a couple days later. But for those who are listening today, it's it's January third, right after, right after the the New Year going into 2022, and uh, you will be listening to Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, the author of 15 books, including including Before the Alamo, and she's a, a subject of a documentary and the subject of an extended radio show prior to becoming our own host uh, for a, uh, a podcast that can be heard on 124 different outlets, so uh, radio and podcast outlets. Uh, Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Dr. Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. I hope everybody in our listening audience is doing fine. No hangovers. Uh, no foolish nonsense the night before New Year's. And um, are looking forward to, I hope, a much better 2022. Yeah, I, I, I hope... I think I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it's you, you that doesn't pass the giggle test now. People are just getting this thing left and right. But uh, I I gotta believe by the by midway through 2022 we'll we'll be a lot better than what we are right now. I uh, I hope and pray. <laughs> I hope and pray that this is true. And actually, my topic today has has to do with our situation right now. Um, and uh, E.J. Dion and, uh, and the Washington Post published an editorial called America Built on Liberty, but Conflict Also Played a Role, uh, which is about... Uh, conflict resolution actually and I recommend that uh, that editorial if you have access to the Washington Post and the what I'm actually going to base my talk on today is um, is a full page uh, editorial by a former mayor of San Antonio by the name of Phil Hardberger Hardberger um, who served as uh, mayor from 2005 to 2009, and who recently uh, constructed a huge park in the north northern half of San Antonio, named for him now, which has a land bridge across a major expressway, a four-lane uh, expressway. Uh, where animals, where uh, uh, there's soil and plants and trees, and the, the animals have already uh, discovered that this land bridge and are going from one half of the this large land mass to the other. And the north on the north side of the expressway are 311 acres. In fact, uh, I'm just seeing now that 40 more acres were added. So we have uh, 351 acres of wild land on the north, and I think there's even more land on the south. So right in the middle of the city, we have a huge park that is completely wild. 
and deer and coyotes and uh, armadillos and <laughs> all kinds of other animals, maybe even bobcats, uh, have have discovered this land bridge, um, which is uh, maybe a hundred a uh, uh, hundred yards wide, maybe more, uh, and uh, is well supported uh, underneath. So uh, cars go through a sort of tunnel, um, and. Uh, uh, anyway, he has written this wonderful article, which I am going to uh, base myself on. The article is called Fear Eroding a, Na- a Nation That Once Stood United. And he says the subtitle is We Cannot Be Defeated by Others. We can, however, defeat ourselves. And that is exactly the problem uh, as I see it as well. Hard to argue against. I'm sorry. I said it's hard to argue against that statement. It's hard to argue with that. Yes, indeed. Excuse me. I'm going to take a drink of water. Yeah. I have my usual gravel voice today. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, no, it sounds like a, a, a wonderful article, and uh, certainly a unique park. And uh, you know, I've never heard of Mayor Hardberger. Uh, but he served one term, and it sounds like he's an interesting fellow. Yes, he is. Um, and he is, I would say, um, he is simply a person who is concerned with people with and with the environment. Uh, and uh, he was a Democrat, but I think he was moderate, and uh, he has done a lot uh, even since his uh, mayorship. Um, to uh, further welfare, the general welfare in San Antonio. So he's he is a, definitely an intelligent and very fine person. And the problem that he describes is the bitter conflict between the parties right now. Very, very bitter. And I'm going to read his first paragraph, which is short. He says, we are living in a troubling time. Our political parties are not working together. Talk has replaced action. Anger has replaced harmony. And compromise has become a bad word. Our democracy has frayed. This is not what our founding fathers had in mind, nor what our citizens want. Day by day, our country weakens. And this is one of his major points, that by being divided the way we are, we are weakening ourselves. We are weakening our nation. And we are playing into the hands of Vladimir Putin in particular, who starred on Newsmax magazine last month, I believe it was. The great Putin uh, took up the entire cover of that magazine which I found shocking and dangerous. <laughs> wow. So um, he points out that every citizen makes up a collective, which is called the United States of America. It's not just the States of America. It is in our very name that we are united. So um, he uh, he says it's impossible for everybody to agree on everything, and we never have. Uh, 
Our founding fathers didn't agree on everything. But we have continued to move forward as the United States. So uh, our unity depends on the ballot box. And lately the ballot box has been called into question and uh, it has, the idea has been sold to us that we cannot trust th uh, the process we have for voting uh, for our representatives because we are a representative democracy. But if we cannot, if we cannot trust the ballot box, then we have to give up, give up our democracy and elect an autocrat who can dictate to us what we are supposed to be doing. The ballot box is uh, either we, ex we accept that, the, uh, that our electoral, electoral system is sound and continue to honor our electoral system or we fall. So um, what, what has happened to us? Fear has creep, crept into our society, and it's uh, furthered by our, our daily newspapers, our newspaper headlines, our breathless TV announcers, our social media posts, which are very subversive, um, our daily conversations with uh, our fellow Americans who, who are touting uh, outlandish conspiracy theories. And of course, that we cannot trust the vote, that our, our voting process can easily be um, uh, uh, undermined and destroyed, and, and the belief that it ha was, uh, th that fraud uh, elected our present president and that he's not really our president. So uh, our conversations with our fellow ma man are, I'd say, dystopian, <laughs> and our movies, our movies are frightening and horrific, with uh, with uh, special effects that seem real but are absolutely impossible in nature. But uh, we begin to believe in them, and uh, we are afraid for our future. So what do we do? We barricade our houses. We buy guns like grocery, like groceries. Uh, we send our national guard to our borders to keep people out who are actually running from problems in their own countries and seeking refuge in ours. But we treat them as if they were some kind of monsters coming in to uh, kill and rape and rob, of course. And we're killing each other as well. Uh, the murder rate is high, and it's going higher, apparently. Uh, in this city, there were 117 homicides through October of this past year. Wow. Oh, wow, that's, that's a big number. It, it is for a small city. Sure. Um, and there were 680 mass shootings in the United States through December. 680 mass shootings. We only hear of a few of them, the most spectacular. But there are shootings of, say, three or four people that are not even reported anymore because they're so common. 
And there were 34 uh, school shootings in 2021. Wow. Wow. Yeah. In San Antonio alone? No, no. This is in the nation. In oh, the nation. Oh, they, so all, oh all told. I was going to yeah. say, it's time and to this, my God. <laughs> there's 680 mass shootings in the United States wow. as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Now, uh, Hardberger points out that uh, we were united after the 9-11 terrorist attack. And we all pulled in the same direction. Uh, but it was very brief. It didn't last. We, unfortunately, uh, disunified right away. Now... Hardberger says that he's not afraid of murderous zealots and not afraid of foreign powers, but he is afraid of the rupture of trust and the lack of faith in our fellow citizens. And I think that is absolutely true. I find it in my everyday uh, contacts. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. So he uh, he tells us we have to, we are in a danger zone, he says, and we must learn the lessons of our history and forge unity because our survival depends on it. And the power to do this um, was modeled by our founding fathers. Now, we think that the founding fathers were all united and they sat down quietly together and wrote the Constitution. And such was not the case. There was conflict among them, and uh, compromise, discussion, argument, and uh, and coordination, which ended in compromise, which is that bad word that no one believes in anymore. Yeah, but we must. Otherwise, we fall. So he Hardberger then goes into our history to illustrate the conflicts, and he picks out several of them. The first one was the problem of our national debt. Uh, the, the various states or, the, or provinces uh, of the uh, uh, of the original United, not United, the original America, the New World. Uh, had uh, accrued a lot of debt fighting the British. And once the Constitution was passed and the nation began as the United States of America, uh, the problem was paying off the debt. Who was going to do it? And there was conflict, of course. Uh, some of the federal government uh, uh, authorities said, well, the state's uh, the states accrued these debts, therefore the states should pay. But Alexander Hamilton, uh, who uh, published uh, the, the uh, report on the net, on the public credit, and he uh, recommended that uh, the full funding of the national debt be paid by the federal government. And this was agreed on. This, uh, the states, therefore, would be protected by the federal government. And the war debt became a war debt of the nation itself. And so the first conflict was resolved thanks to an idea by Alexander Hamilton. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's never been my thought that everyone got along. But it's this today, uh, we just seem to be at odds over every single thing. It's it's been more polarizing than I could ever remember it being in my my lifetime, and I'm 54 years old. Right, and I'm 88, and uh, I say the same. Um, and a lot of a lot of the problem has come from the United States Senate, uh, which has simply uh, stopped any legislation getting through, except for legislation on the Republican side. But any Democratic idea, no matter whether it had been uh, invented by a Republican in the first place, but if it was passed through the House of Representatives by Democrats uh, and proposed to the Senate, it was simply not even discussed. It was simply filibustered, and that was the end of it. And that has been the case uh, since uh, since Obama's second term uh, and through uh, Trump's uh, term and uh, up to now, pretty much, uh, it has been successful again in uh, in our present Senate. And so nothing is happening. There's an absolute no, N-O, uh, in, the, in the U.S. Senate because 50 Republicans uh, will follow uh, Mitch McConnell in saying no to anything that is brought forward by the Democrats. And therefore, nothing uh, nothing can pass unless by some gimmick. The only thing that we can do is to get rid or at least set aside the filibuster for uh, urgent laws, such as passing the voting rights uh, law. Uh, and, of course, that is to protect our ballot box, uh, our voting system, uh, as set up by... Uh, by tradition and by uh, federal authority from the beginning of the country, which is now in question because uh, it has been called into question by President, former President Trump, who even before he was elected said that if he won, it would be uh, by some gimmick. And the gimmick was, of course, the uh, Electoral College. He won the Electoral College while losing the popular vote. Uh, and then uh, he continued to call the integrity of our electoral system in question throughout his presidency, and, of course, especially uh, while he ran for a second term. He predicted that uh, he would lose by trickery and fraud, and uh, by repeating this and all of his media uh, repeating it, Fox News and Newsmax and so forth, um, uh, his uh, 60, over 60 percent of the uh, Republican uh, uh, electorate believes that Biden is not a legitimate president, president, but he stole the election through fraud and trickery. So we have... uh, successfully called into question the only means we have to maintain our democracy and our unity. But then going back to Hardberger and and history, uh, the second uh, conflict came up when 
the doctrine of the sovereigns, the states, came up. The doctrine of nullification. Uh, the idea was tried out um, by Kentucky first, who said that since the states were the instrument that created the Constitution, the states, uh, being sovereign, had the right to nullify federal laws. And so this doctrine then passed, uh, it became a real uh, issue, I should say, in 1828 when uh, Congress passed a tariff uh, to protect the industries in the northern states from competition with foreign imports. We've heard about that uh, recently, actually. Uh, And it made uh, the the southern states have to pay more more for uh, for their goods and services, and so they decided, South Carolina decided, Senator John Calhoun, uh, by name, uh, decided that they would uh, nullify uh, this tariff. And Andrew Jackson, who became a president the following year in, in 1829, Jackson was very opposed to the states, any state, having this, the power to nullify federal law. And ultimately, after a, a battle, it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court uh, uh, resolved it by saying no state is able, to, uh, is able to nullify a federal law, and that's that. And it said, uh, speaking of South Carolina, uh, he, uh, the federal, the court said uh, that it was if this kind of action by an individual state was subversive of the Constitution. Their object is division, and cannot, uh, but cannot be, and we cannot be deceived by names. Uh, it, Disunion by armed force, which South Carolina was threatening. Disunion by armed force is treason, was the uh, was the statement. So South Carolina, of course, backed down, and the Supreme Court, uh, in the, uh, the Supreme Court, has spoken. And yet, in 1958, Arkansas stood up and said it didn't like the Supreme Court's ruling uh, in Brown versus the Board of Education, which was the ruling uh, integrating schools. And so it was standing, it had its, uh, its army out uh, to uh, block the entrance to schools to black uh, kids. And um, uh, the Supreme Court again spoke and said, hey, we've already decided this issue. So shut up and integrate your schools, and that happened. So, uh, although Americans love to, we love to think of ourselves as exceptional, and our exceptional has been, uh, our exception, uh, uh, our country has been exceptional in that uh, we have maintained our union up to now. 
uh, and it's actually how we have remained the greatest country in the world, the most powerful country in the world. Why? Because we are united, and that, that's the source of our power. We are economically and militarily and politically and socially united, have been, until now. Of course, the Civil War uh, established uh, that there cannot be a political separation of the country, of any states from the Union. And our 50 states have so far stood united against the world. And united we shall continue to prevail, but if we fall apart uh, for these insane reasons, actually, uh, we will fall. And don't don't you think that uh, foreign powers are not watching? Foreign powers are interfering with us daily by posting rumors and uh, conspiracy theories on Facebook and on other social media. And in our newscasts, that uh, Newsmax, for instance, which is taking the part of the Soviet Union against our present government uh, and uh, and posing uh, Vladimir Putin on the on the uh, covers of their magazines uh, as a as a model for us to follow, wow. a dictator, wow. right? Uh, so we are we are in grave grave danger. And the whole, the whole lesson of this uh, article by Hardberger is that, granted, we cannot avoid conflict. Conflict is every day. But we must compromise. We must coordinate. We must discuss. And we must come to an agreement. And so far, we have not done that lately. And instead, uh, we are tearing, tearing ourselves apart. So, yeah. oh, wow. I, I mean, what a um, uh, you know what, what a what a concept, and it's uh, you know it's not a unique thought. It's a, it's an interesting thought, uh, but you know it, it's it's hard to argue against what he's saying, and and it's it's disturbing because it's a departure from where we were, let's say five years ago, six years ago. Uh, right. We nobody was talking about uh, being this divided. And, you know, certainly people weren't bringing up civil war or, or revolution. Those terms weren't used in any serious manner in, um, and, and, you know, as almost a warning that, hey, this could happen. But over the, you know, over the four years of the Trump presidency, one thing for sure is you heard the words civil war put together and you heard <coughs> revolution and you heard uh, from both sides, by the way. From both sides, you heard people saying, I hope this doesn't turn into a civil war. And right. instead of people laughing and saying, oh, go on, or whatever, uh, the rest of us would say, yeah, I hope you're right. I hope, I hope it doesn't turn into a civil war. And, you know, what are we, you know, what are we looking at here? We're looking at, at really a four-year term of a president that, uh, that has put the, the country uh, in, in such a polarizing situation and both sides have have responded with 
um, with antagonism towards uh, towards both, and it's lasting. It's uh, it's it's now continues because you know, because that particular president was saying was saying that the election was stolen from him. So you know yeah. when you say. Uh, it, the most disturbing thing in there, and it's all disturbing, but the most disturbing thing is that 60% of the people actually think that the the election was fraudulent. Right. I, right. I, how is that possible? How how could how how could people how could 60% of the people actually think that it's fraudulent? It's a it's a frightening number. Yes, and they have not believed uh, in the the legitimate audit uh, audits of the uh, of the election in the uh, in those uh, states uh, that that uh, Biden narrowly won that are the the uh, ones that control I think it's seventy five percent of of uh, uh, no I think it's seventy five uh, electoral votes so it it would tip uh, tip the uh, the election one way or another if those 75 votes went uh if they had gone to trump of course uh they would uh, he would have won the election however uh however much uh he was defeated by the popular vote and that's another thing oh by the way uh the electoral college was one of those compromises that have turned out to be very bad that our founding fathers agreed to and that was that uh, particularly, I think the southern states uh, were afraid that if if we went with just the popular vote, and if black people who were formerly slaves and therefore were ignorant and un- unlettered, thanks to the policies uh, not allowing slaves to learn to read and write, right. um, uh, and, the, and the slaves were. Uh, perhaps a majority in some states. Uh, so they uh, they then said, no, we can't go with the popular vote. We have to go with gentlemen who are landowners and who, there, uh, who are therefore uh, educated and sophisticated. So we are going to set up an electoral college of these people. And they are going to, uh, to decide... Uh, ultimately, they're going to represent the people, and therefore they will decide who is the president. And so uh, the other states then agreed, oh, well, okay, we can see your point. And so they set up the Electoral College, and uh, and we're now suffering the consequences. Yeah. Uh, so we've had two presidents elected uh, because the Electoral College... Um, uh, went one way and the popular vote went the other. Yeah, the other so, one being Bush. The other one being Bush, yes. The first Bush, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Well, yeah, the second Bush. The uh, the you know the the first book uh, the, um, the f- George W. Your former governor, uh, for George W. But his first election, he lost the popular vote to Al Gore, and and Gore uh, lost the uh, electoral vote. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, can I point uh, something? Yeah. Can I point something out? Um, I, sure. I was, I was recently watching a, you know, a documentary, and and in the documentary, and I can't okay. remember what what it was, but in the documentary, they had the swearing in of President John F. Kennedy, and right behind him, 
uh, and I, you know, uh, Jackie Kennedy, the, the first lady elect, right, was was there, and they're swearing him in on the Bible. And right across from him uh, stood a smiling, uh, laughing uh, Richard Nixon. And uh, Richard Nixon was the vice president, outgoing vice president of the United States, and the man that uh, that JFK uh, defeated to become president. And he was there. And if you talk about a a peaceful uh, transition of power from Eisenhower to uh, to Kennedy, the man that Kennedy beat in a very very close election, and uh, you know, and also a, an election that, that that people questioned and. Uh, yeah. Econ- you know, all, all kinds of things. But Nixon, uh, Vice President Nixon at that time, who is considered a scoundrel because of Watergate and everything else, he was there uh, not only congratulating but celebrating the moment of the new presidency with the man who defeated him. And, right. you know, like you didn't see that, uh, to say the least, you didn't see uh, Donald Trump at the... Uh, at the inauguration of uh, of uh, President Biden, you know uh, he was he was calling into question the legality of it, and this yes. is why mm-hmm. uh, so many people, so many people are now uh, questioning our process, which is which is dangerous. And and I, but it just it was an it's an amazing thing. You can Google you can Google the Kennedy swearing in, and you will see Richard Nixon right there smiling and and. And laughing, and you know, like you know, pleasantly. Yes, I mean, he was a good sport. Right. And uh, sportsmanship is is uh, a word foreign to uh, to Donald Trump. He simply cannot take a loss yeah. uh, manfully, and has to claim that the other person cheated if he loses. Um, and uh, and he's under undercutting. Uh, not only our traditions, he's undercutting the the civilized tradition that if you legitimately lose, then you lose you you take the loss manfully and and accept it. And uh, uh, at that point, Nixon was modeling that he was doing this. Uh, this he was uh, acknowledging this transition, this uh, this loss, uh, in in the proper way, it with good humor and even um, even acceptance. And uh, unfortunately, because Trump is incapable of doing that, uh, we have the problem that we have today. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, to to wrap up this, uh, I would like to read the very last paragraph. Please. Um, Hartberger does recommend a number of steps to rebuilding our our uh, our unity and our confidence in one another uh, through teaching mandatory civics classes in schools and teaching the geography of the United States and the world and teaching the history of the United States, which is not properly taught. And, of course, uh, the Republicans are suspicious of any teaching, honest teaching of the history of the United States, calling it cancel culture and so on, and actually winning uh, government uh, governors' races by using that cancel culture 
uh, litany um, and reclaiming our reputation by uh, as the moral leader of the world, which we lost over those four years, um, and uh, and so on. And he ends the whole thing by. Oh, by the way, he, he quotes George Washington. I think I'll read that, too. Uh, he says, George Washington, in his latest years, wrote to Thomas Jefferson, quote, My earnest wish and my fondest hope is that instead of wounding suspicions and irritable charges, there may be mutual forbearance and temporizing uh, yielding on all sides. Under the exercise of these, matters will go on smoothly and, if possible, more prosperously, unquote. It sounds, it sounds as if he's talking to us today, yeah. actually. So if, you, if you told me that was written last week, I'd say, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. And then the final, uh, the final sentence, um, I, actually two sentences, three sentences, uh, are the following. The hour is late, though it is not too late. But the shadows grow longer, and we are off the path that uh, the off the path left us by our forebears. We must unite and justify our hard-won name, the United States of America. Let no man or doctrine put us asunder. Wow! And that is Phil Harbur Hardberger, former mayor of the of uh, the city of San Antonio. Great job on his end. I should say, yes. So it's it's a lesson for the new year, if we can only follow it. It's a hard thing to do because, one thing, we have subverted our education so badly. We're not teaching our history. We're not teaching... Um, the history of the world or of the United States. And our history of the United States is most important for us to understand the divisions right now. But it has to be an honest history. And under the present circumstances, that is impossible. Amazing. Yeah, and, and you're right on. And uh, Hardberger was uh, right on. And, you know, like you said, uh, you know, you. You, you read the Washington quote. Uh, if you said, yeah, uh, you know, George Will said that, or, you know, whoever, you know. If, uh, you, if you said that somebody just wrote that uh, a couple of days ago, uh, I wouldn't yeah. question it. Yeah, you just hold back Washington's name and put a modern name on it. I'd say, yeah, right on. You know, any number of people could have said that at, uh, at, at this point now. And, uh, yeah. yeah it's, uh, Doc, it's just an amazing time that we're going through and uh you know as they said may you live in in interesting times well th this isn't the type of interesting <laughs> times that i was hoping to ever live through and and you know i love the country too much to um think that this is enjoyable this is very destructive. right and of course the old chinese curse may you live uh, in interesting times by that they meant times like this yes right times of disunion and uh, and anger and uh moral depravity really uh that we are suffering right now so um actually i think president biden is doing his best 
as uh, as our president and as as a normal human being. I mean, Biden is not a an outstanding uh, orator or anything of that no, sort. Like that. He is he is an honest man. He won the election honestly, and he is trying to put across the idea, the feeling that he is an honest, straightforward human being trying to help the United States and being blocked uh, at every turn by the Senate of the United States, really, by Mitch McConnell. And uh, perhaps uh, he can uh, talk Joe Manchin around, maybe. Uh, I'm hoping he can. Uh, But, of course, uh, in order to have the full 50 Democratic votes against the 50 Republican uh, votes and the filibuster, uh, he has to convince Manchin uh, to agree to uh, his, his program. Uh, build uh, build back better and the the Voting Rights Act, both of which are extremely important, but most important is the Voting Rights Act. If if we undercut our voting system, we're 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 gone as a democracy. Yeah, it it has to be uh, maintained and it has to be protected. And I think the only way to do that is to pass the Voting Rights Act. That's our only hope right now. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying that with any confidence that it will get passed. But I mean, it's. Uh, um, but uh, you're, you're right. In order for things to change, uh, that Voting Rights Act will have to be passed. And um, and uh, again, I I don't know how confident you are, Doc. But um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my house on it. No, and that's a very sad statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we mentioned Manchin. Uh, it, we failed to mention uh, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten uh, Cinema. Cinema, uh, yeah. The two of them, you know, are uh, are uh, are guilty of uh, of, of uh, <laughs> hurting um, Biden at every end. For at least from a uh, teamwork standpoint, uh, you know, that Biden can't count on either one of them for for anything. So right. it's it's amazing. A wonderful job by uh, former Mayor Hardberger. And um, and yeah. just uh, yeah, good stuff, as always, Doc. And um, I, I hope you had a uh, had, had a good new year. It sounds like you did. It sounded like it was quiet and a healthy and, yes. and, a, and a happy one, uneventful one, <laughs> which is uh, which is a big plus nowadays. Yes, it is. Right. And no, no big parties for me. Uh, I was quietly at home, and uh, me and my two cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's a safe way to go. Uh, Doc, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And again, Happy New Year and hopes, hopes for better things to come. And a resolution of our, uh, of our major problems in the right way. And everyone, please buy Before the Alamo. It's a terrific book. Uh, it's uh, Doc's 15th, uh, Dr. Weinberg's uh, 15th book, and uh, just absolutely tremendous, uh, brilliant writing and uh, historic uh, fiction. 
and uh, again, think of that. Think of the, uh, the, the amount that she's gotten done during a pandemic. Not, not bad. A documentary, a radio series, and a radio show of her own. Um, and, and uh, of course, uh, uh, another book with her memoir, uh, uh, you know, set to, uh, to, to be ready to go as well. The author of 15 books, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, is our host each and every week. Uh, we'll see you all next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.